1: What's up you guys? Welcome to the November 29th edition of the Roto-World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, getting ready to set you up for a lot of stuff here. We're going to talk some rookie guards, we're going to talk some play types, some teams, some DFS stuff for today. It's going to be pretty awesome. And before I bring Tommy on, I do got to warn you guys, my dog is kind of on one. So if you hear a dog growling a little bit, that's Brodman. He's chilling. It's, it shouldn't be fine. You can kind of chuckle. But Brody's crazy, man. He's 11 months. He's wilding. So let me go ahead and bring Tommy Beer on. What's up, man? Hello, hello. Uh, how are you doing today? Very well. How about yourself, sir? Pretty good. Uh, nice little hike today with the Broad Man. He's going to, you know, Brody's going to probably, uh, both Brody's are going to have pretty good days, I think. <laughs> Russell, yeah. West, Russell Westbrook's going to kill the magic tonight.
2: I agree. He's going to come out with vengeance. Whether that's good or not for the Thunder is actually probably up to debate, uh, as, as we can tell by their record. Um, but but yes, from a fantasy standpoint, I expect him to uh, to uh, to try to send a message this evening.
1: Yeah, and he's got the one of the best matchups to do so. So you have your notable numbers column up, and it's one of my favorite topics, especially this time of year, now that we're a good 25% into the season. Um, what did you find out? What, what do you think was the mo- the coolest thing you found out on the way? And then we'll kind of analyze it bit by bit. Sure. Um, took a look at a couple guys that uh, have exceeded
2: expectations um, and, and some that have not uh, on the negative end of the spectrum. Um, Frank Nelakina, who's been struggling mightily um, from the field, um, talked a little bit about his stats as well as Malik Monk. Um, who I don't think, I certainly didn't have high expectations for, I don't think most people did coming into the season, um, you know, as far as stuffing the stat sheet, you know, other than scoring, but at least the one thing you assumed you'd get out of Monk, um, for those that that kind of gambled on him in deeper leagues and, and dynasty leagues, was um, that he put up points in in bunches, uh, but unfortunately that hasn't been the case, he's been in, inefficient as well, um, and then we uh, talked a little bit about uh, Donovan Mitchell um, who's, who's gotten plenty of attention deservedly so, uh, for his stellar play, um, he's been a monster this month. And um, the other guy I looked at was Frank Mason, um, who's uh, been surprisingly – arguably the most efficient point guard in Sacramento, you know, coming into the season uh, with the, the top five pick in De'Aaron Fox and, and George Hill, the respected veteran mentor. Um, you figure those two guys would, uh, would, would, you know, how, how often or how much playing time they'd get because they'd split it among them. The two of them um, was up for debate, but you, you figure that they would um, have solid, solid numbers across the boards. But it's actually been Frank Mason on a per minute basis. Per minute basis has been more efficient than both of those two cats.
1: Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, last nine games for him, 59.2 true shooting, 21.5 usage rate. Um, you put that up against Fox, 43.4 true shooting and 19.9 usage rate. So he has him there. Uh, 30.8 assist percentage for Mason versus a 20.0 for Fox. I mean, he's just clearly, clearly out playing Fox right now. Um, and, man, Fox is really falling off. Um, I don't know if it's panic button time, but... Uh, I probably like we know the Kings are bad. They're they're getting whooped pretty much every night. They're six and fifteen. They had a couple wins, beat the Warriors on Monday, but I think Fox is kind of has like a buy low window. They obviously believe in him, probably more so than Mason. But Mason's been pretty good. We we we're concerned about efficiency issues. That usually is the the main concern for smaller guards like that, whether it be Trey Burke or what have you. But um, yeah, he looks great, man. And I think he's got minutes going. I think he's got minutes the rest of the way.
2: I agree, and that's what worries me about Fox. I love Fox. Um, I was very high on him coming into the draft. Um, I think I would have considered him number one overall. Um, I would have taken him ahead of Alonzo Ball. Um, all that being said, I'm worried about his, you know, his season-long value this year because of the presence of, of Hill, obviously, but also of Mason. And um, I, I, they have experimented playing with, you know, two point guards alongside each other. Um, I expect them to do that more so in the future. And we know the second half of the season how Sacramento rolls. Um, they'll rest Hill um, quite frequently. They'll rest Vince Carter and you know their their other veteran guards, etc. And Fox will get plenty of playing time. But with Mason there, um, and and you know for the foreseeable future, the three of those guys divvying up minutes I'm worried about Fox's, um, you know, upside, his potential. Um, I think he'll, his, his, his efficiency will bounce back, you know, kind of towards the mean. Um, he'll play a little bit better. Um, and I love his potential. I still love his potential long term. But as far as this season in redraft leagues, um, I don't think you'd get much form. But if somebody was willing to uh, make me a solid offer, I would be willing to part with him for the right price. Because um, that, that, that running back by committee is just a, is a scary situation in fantasy, as we know.
1: And they have played 48 minutes together, which is really, really helpful. Again, they're basically yes. rolling three point guard lineups If you consider Garrett Temple a point guard He's not, but at one point he was But um, yeah, like you said I feel it out, like I don't think he's going to be A difference maker like Some other guys, I think DSJ still can be And some other guys that we're going to talk about in a little bit But um, yeah, it's It's tough um, Especially this team just doesn't have clear rotation they are probably iron out, but yeah not A rookie getting competition from another rookie is never good From the same position, right. no less Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving on um, you didn't read about he didn't talk about DSJ, but I want to talk about him really quick. Yo, my man needs to get to the line. Uh, that that's killing me. I hate that. Every game now, he's not going to the line. I think it's four or five straight. Um, and he's the first player in a long time to have 15, or I think like four years to have 15 plus points, three plus assists, and then no free throw attempts. Um, but he's going on five plus, is it more than five? Let's see. Yeah, it's, uh... It's five. Five games, no free throws. Like, come on, dude.
2: That's that's inexcusable for a guy with his explosion, his athleticism, his ability to get into the paint, um, the way that the league is officiated nowadays. Um, it begs, you know, just point guards are really – you're leaving points on the table if you're not taking advantage of getting to the line – um, and, and I agree with you. He's, he's a solid free throw shooter. Um, was at NC State, so um, yeah, that's surprising, startling. Um, we'll see if you know Carlisle kind of gets into him um, and, and kind of forces his hand a little bit, and, and you know, at least makes an attempt to get to the line.
1: Yeah, and that last ten games, he is first among rookie guards with fifteen minutes in usage rate, and he's still not getting to the line.
2: Yeah. So I mean,
1: yeah, this, they want this guy to use possessions. They're not running him as much with pick and roll and stuff, and they're kind of letting him play like more like a shooting guard, almost, almost like how they're going to probably use Seth Curry, which is something right. we'll talk about another day. But yeah, if I have i J, I'm still, I'm still fine. Um, I don't. If you put a fourth or fifth round price tag on him, probably going to have a tough time meeting that. But you kind of knew that to begin with. But if you took yes. him like the sixth or seventh round, I think you're still status quo.
2: I agree with you. Um, if you if you drafted him, you have confidence in him. And I don't think we've seen anything that said that that's made you think, oh my God, this guy's has you know really uh, you know can can really drop off the map. I think his floor is is high enough where um, I see no reason to to make a move and, and, and deal him right away, unless he got blown away by an offer. But he hasn't played exceedingly well. That I, I assume that wouldn't be the case. So um, I'd hold tight and be happy
1: for sure. And then quickly on Donovan Mitchell again, high usage rate, second among those guards. I mentioned last ten games, twenty one point six. Efficiency has been better, and other stats have been there as well. Uh, He's stealing the ball a lot. Been a little up and down, but again, rookies and guards, they're two of the most inconsistent things, so package them together, and you're in for a bumpy ride. But again, the non-scoring stats are what's really put them together. On the season, 1.4 steals. you know, Three three boards, three assists, that's pretty good for a guy who's going to probably wind up scoring once he starts cruising 17, 18 points a game.
2: Definitely. This uh, they played 14 games this month. Uh, the Jazz half He's averaging 17.6 points, 4.1 rebounds, uh, 2.4 threes. Um, to put that in perspective. Um, Only two rookies in NBA history have averaged at least 17 points, four boards, and two three-pointers per game for the entirety of their rookie season. Those two players were Allen Iverson and Stephen Curry. Um, So that kind of gives you some context as to the level he's been playing at for the last month. Um, And yes, as you mentioned, his efficiency has been on the rise. Um, Shot 34.5% from the floor over his first 12 games. Um, He's shooting that 43% clip over his last nine games. Um, so things are definitely trending in the right direction, and as far as the Jazz are concerned, they need all the offense they can get. Um, Rodney Hood's dinged up a little bit. He's certainly had some injuries issued the last few years. Um, ditto for Ricky Rubio, who's played well. Um, uh, but uh, has also uh, has struggled at times and has some injury issues as well. So um, I, I definitely like Mitchell, um, short term, long term, going forward in the immediate future. Um, there's a lot to like there. I think he's got a you know real promising upside there.
1: If we're going to exclude Ben Simmons, is he kind of the class of the rookie fantasy crop? Do you think?
2: I think so. Yeah. Um, of, of guys drafted, you know, um, you know, in terms of uh, putting it all together. Um there's there's a lot to like there. I, you know, he's, he's he's right there
1: making his free throws, doing a little bit of everything, but uh yeah, he looks he looks fantastic. Uh, you mentioned Lonzo Ball quickly and uh Curry. Uh Curry had a good quote the other day. He said that uh um, I hope people didn't ju- people didn't judge me by 20 game sample. Um so he was kind of saying about that about Lonzo. But man, he has got a long way to go, man.
2: I you know I looked at that cuz the the, the it, it, it I I looked at uh Curry's game log over his first 20 games. <laughs> He only averaged 11 points, but he shot 45% from the field. I think it was 38 or 37% from three, and like 85% from the oh, stripe. Or something. Yeah. So you know, it's not like he was you know uh, wildly erratic over the you know his first 20 games. Um, so while there's there's definitely room for Lonzo to improve, and you know the peripheral stats are impressive. Um, you know, I I I I'm just not sold that, you know, he's, I, I, it is what it is. I mean, you could see the guy the way the guy shoots from the left side of his head, I just don't know how much his his percentage is going to improve.
1: Yeah, he's bad. I mentioned this last 10 games, 15 minute sample. He's uh second to last on efficiency. Josh maget is last in that. Um 38 points. man. You can't get to 40% true shooting. That's bad, man. That's terrible. Yeah, game, that bad. that's that's what, that when Moody's ice cold, he was like 34. And Lonzo was on pace to be the most inefficient player at one point. He's climbed out of that. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, and even Neo Kena, as bad as he's been, he's still 41.2. Mike James has been inefficient, at 43. So yeah, you like if you're a rookie, you want him to be, I think, 48 is kind of what you're expecting. But um, yeah, like even DSJ, he's 46. He's down. Get to the free throw line guy. Um, but DSJ is also making free throws too. I think it's eighty nine percent, which month. which makes his inability to get to the line even more. frustrating. Yes, exactly. Get there, get there. Um, um,
2: just because, <laughs> just because you mentioned Nila Kina, Um I took a look at his stats, and um, it's surprising to be honest, because you know coming in, you, you watch him shoot, and it's not it's not like Lonzo where he's shooting from you know the wrong side of his head, and you know <laughs> it's solid form, repeatable delivery, keeps the elbow in, um, good footwork. Um, which makes it really surprising, as much as he struggled. And also in France, the guy the guy was a knockdown shooter. Um, you know, played limited minutes off the bench, but you know, p- appeared in 32 games in, in France's Pro A league last year. Shot 48 percent, 48.5 percent from the floor, and 43.1 percent from three territory um, over those 33, con- uh, 32 games. Um, this season, though, he has just not gotten on track, um, shooting 34.3 percent. Um, from the floor, 25% from three and 64.3% from the line. Um, looked it up on basketball reference. 231 players have logged at least 300 minutes this season. Only two are shooting below 35% from the floor, uh, under 30% from three and 65% from the line. Those two players, Lanza Paul and Frank Nilakina. Yeah. Um, so that's not company you want to keep Mr. Fresh Prince. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, again, I have I, confidence that he'll improve. And Nielakine has also provided some, some solid assist and steal rates. Um, so there's, there's some uh, reason to be optimistic about his future if you have him in, in deeper leagues. It's certainly in dynasty leagues. Um, but in, in redraft formats, um, it's tough to roster those guys that just kill your percentages.
1: I just realized something. Um, did the French Prince thing come about when Phil was still around? Because, like, Uncle Phil, was that like what came together? <laughs>
2: I I don't think so. I don't know. It was over the summer when he, you know, but Phil was only around for like a week or two yeah. after that. So so I think it was just the. No, uh, make know. that
1: even better though. Yes, or if he was drafted by
2: L.A., that that would that would have been.
1: nice Yeah, too. for sure, for sure. Uh, what else? No nope. Carlton. Just just got a good Viv. I don't know who else we could tie into that <laughs> one. Uh, any other rookie guards you want to talk about? And uh, I know Antonio Blakely's been kind of uh, out of the out of nowhere, like thought that was kind of cool. Cool story to see him play. Uh, Luke Kennard's yeah. been kind of sneaky good. Kennard has not been... him, but I, th- I thought he was – I like to see these guys who were nowhere like a month ago, and now they're kind of getting minutes.
2: Definitely. I think uh, Kennard um, – uh, I, I did see that Van Gundy said he needs to improve defensively to stay on the floor, so I guess that will kind of be the challenge for him um, <laughs> Pistons do have some deep, you know, have some solid depth. So, um, Kennard will have to play well in order to earn minutes. Um, on the other, on the other end of the spectrum, Malik Monk has been terrible, um, and I wouldn't expect much uh, improvement going forward. Let's talk about
1: him for a sec because Kemba's not going to play today. True. So we saw Clifford say, "Hey, you're too small to play the two, paraphrasing. So you would think he gets minutes tonight.
2: I um, do. Clifford has already said that Michael Carter Williams is going to start, mm-hmm. um, but I do expect. Um, monk gets a, a decent amount of minutes off the bench you know it is i guess that'll be a good test for him if he can't get minutes with kemba sideline um, then he really has no value going forward
1: yeah it's yeah it's it's not it's not looking good obviously uh would you use him for dfs because i mean michael carter williams has been so so bad
2: I know, but at the same time, Carter Williams has a chance to get you some steals and some blocks. I think I would prefer to have Carter Williams over. Cause I, and I know he's going to start, so his floor yeah. is a little bit higher. If I had to choose between the two, I'd go MCW tonight. Yeah, yeah. I would
1: too. It's, it's going to be ugly, though, man. I think I think it's going to probably be like That team needs Kemba so
2: bad. Uh, agreed. I think Carter Williams is going to have a high ownership percentage and may not deliver. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I'm actually thinking, though, because Monk may be the garbage time man. True. Like He may True. be able to get you 15 points just in the fourth quarter alone. Good point uh i think we're good anything else you want to add nah that's about it all right so we're gonna get out of here on that i'll be back with ryan and thanks for coming on man thanks buddy okay so moving right along we're going to talk about some synergy play type stuff one of my favorite topics to talk about with me to do so is ryan kanas what's up man
0: uh, how's it going, Mike? I'm happy to be here. This is one of my favorite topics, um, kind of continuing last week's trend of looking at specific matchups. So if you're deciding between different players or if you're trying to you know, determine who the best uh, matchups might be in DFS... Uh, this is just another way to look at it. So we're going through play types as defined by synergy. So we're talking about things like spot-ups, um, post-up possessions, uh, pick-and-roll ball handler, things like that. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into it as we go, but it uh, should, should be a rich topic.
1: Yeah, so uh, what, what do you think, what do you find most interesting and um, or, or most relevant? What, what do you, what do you, when, you, when you finished up, what were you kind of most proud of that you found out?
0: Well, I would say it, every single one of these play types has some interesting stuff that that you could dig up. So, um, you know, if you're looking at pick and roll ball handler, you see someone like Tyler Ulis gets almost sixty percent of his possessions have ended with him as a pick and roll ball handler this year. So you're going to want to target teams that are you know bad defensively against that. Um, it just really allows you to get a nuanced look. So, for instance, the Nets are seeing a lot of pick and roll ball handler plays. Teams are attacking them, attacking them in the pick and roll. uh, And they're giving up 0.9 points per possession, which is pretty high. So in a situation like that, I mean, you don't need me to tell you to play, you know, when the sun's nets get together, but um, for instance, the Sixers are also seeing a lot of that. um, And they're giving up a lot of points. Um, The Mavericks giving up a league high 0.9 points on, uh, to pick and roll ball handlers. So so something like that. Like Tyler Eulis would be great in that situation. Um you look at uh post-ups for instance. Joel Embiid almost 42% of his plays have been post-ups. So you take that, you're going to want to target teams that are bad against post-ups. Um you're looking at the Mavericks, the the Celtics have been surprisingly bad and um that really surprised me because their defense has been elite, but uh there's a there's a ton of stuff you can find and I encourage everyone uh, after you're done listening to this, to turn over to my column, which should be up uh, right around as soon as this is up.
1: Nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, the Nets also run it a lot, too. They run a lot of pick and roll. Uh, we saw earlier in the season, before really everyone got hurt, they were running it a ton. And even with the lack of personnel, they're still running it a pretty good amount. They're ranked sixth. So, um, Yeah, and like you said, um, I love transition on Synergy because uh, it really works, for two, works twofold. So you want to see guys that well, you're either going to get a steal or probably a rebound. Uh, you're not really going to get a transition possession off a of make. So, um, yeah, looking at that, it's the Suns are just... They're such a great matchup. And today, too, for the Pistons, they're probably going to beat up on them um, in transition. and uh, Should be pretty cool. Did you look at anything yeah. um, for... Like you said, the, um, before, the Suns are running a lot of pick and roll with their point guards for possessions used.
0: They are, offensively. And then defensively, they're getting attacked in transition uh no surprise there you also see the timberwolves their transition defense if you've watched them this year you know it's been it's been shoddy uh especially when jimmy butler was out i think it the wheels kind of fell off for that stretch so that might be waiting it um but yeah almost 17 percent of the defensive plays the suns and, and wolves and rockets also um they're seeing in transition so that's something to target especially if a guy you know if you're playing DFS and you look at Alfred Payton, right? He's, he's getting 35% of his plays in transition, which is crazy. It's 5% higher than the next relevant player who's Darren Collison. Um, so yeah, you, you see something like that. Boom. Target the Knicks, target the Suns, the Wolves, the Rockets. Um, and there, there's plenty of other guys you could find above 30% in transition. You, you find Norman Powell getting a lot of his plays there. Uh, Darren Collison, Kentavious Caldwell Pope kind of su- was a surprise to me.
1: Yeah, the, the Lakers are pretty fast. They are. Last I checked, their last ten games, they were first in um, fewest amount of seconds off a miss and off a steal um, for both categories. They were, f- were first for both. So, yeah, they are they are quick to get into sets and get into transition. Um, and then also too, the Suns, man, they are, they run a lot of uh, high screens with their bigs. Um, for screen assists, I know Alex Lynn is, uh, fourth per game and he's a big part of what they do, uh, coming off the big rebounding game. So hopefully he plays again. That's something I want to watch tonight. And also Tyson Chandler, despite not really playing many minutes. And actually, as a matter of fact, um, of the guys that are top 10 ish, um, the only two guys, I mean, Alex Lynn's playing 23 minutes a game and he's fourth in screen assists per game um so the guy i mean gortat's playing 30 minutes he's first gobert 34 minutes Drummond 33 minutes so he's vital to really what the Suns are doing uh, identity wise um so hopefully yeah. they play him more man
0: yeah for sure and you, you brought up a good point the uh like you look at the screen assists which is basically just big men who who free up someone for a, a made shot um alex Lynn and tyson chandler both in the top 10 per 36 uh and per game actually i mean Very impressive stuff, and I found a couple things like that that were um, sort of symbiotic. Like two centers on the same team, two point guards. You got Mike James and Tyler Ulis, you know, getting almost all their plays as uh, pick and roll ball handlers. You've got Miles Turner and Sabonis are among the league leaders, both of them, as pick and roll roll men. Um, Avery Bradley and Luke Kennard are. Both among league leaders and handoffs. So, I think what you find is teams that run certain action for their starters tend to also run it for their, the backup at that position. So, you get a lot of the same guys uh, surfacing among the league leaders.
1: And that's nice to see, too, even for like a handcuff purposes. So, if you see yeah, continuity. Guy, yeah, yeah. So, like if you see that, hey, Luke Kennard's running similar handcuff plays to Avery Bradley, obviously the defense, and maybe that's why he's so concerned about defense, SVG. 'Cause he knows he can't plug in Kennard in for what A.V. Bradley can do defensively and as a ball handler as well. So that's kinda cool to to think about. And like we see we wanna see guys who are like the handcuffs jump in, like Rashawn Holmes could space the full like Embiid can, can't post up like Embiid can or really but who can. Uh, so that's yeah. that's pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, post-ups were interesting. Um, Obviously, I I think I mentioned briefly, Joel Embiid crushed it. He's he's at 42% of his plays are post-ups, almost a point per possession, which is great. Uh, He's followed by Dwight Howard. Then we got LaMarcus, Mark Gasol, Zach Randolph, Ennis Cantor. So a lot of these kind of old-school banger big men. And then right in the midst of them, we get Scott Labissiere. At, at almost 33 percent of his plays, uh, and he's been terrible in terms of efficiency. He's he's only scoring uh, 0.7 points per possession, which is bad. So it's, it's just interesting to see how the Kings are trying to get him score because the definition of of a post up from synergy is you catch the ball with your back to the basket, finish the play within 15 feet of the rim. So I think the the Kings are really making an emphasis to try to get him close to the rim. Um, hasn't really panned out so far, but I think once he gets stronger. Uh, we'll, we'll see that come up.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because we we talked about it on the last pod, where or two pods ago, where Willie Cauley Stein doesn't want to get near the basket, and man, Cauley Stein's kind of burying Scal, uh, and they're not really playing together very much, and it hasn't been very successful. So um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. What if we I wanted to talk about Scal with Tommy and Willie Cauley Stein. We talked about the backcourt, but I mean, are, are we good with Cauley Stein now? It seems like he's kind of got uh, his feet under him now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at his recent performance, you have to be good. And he may even be making himself immune to the Kings' wacky rotations. Uh, Maybe that's wishful thinking, but yeah, I I think you absolutely hold him. Uh, Whereas Scal, uh, you know, I I cut him two weeks ago maybe in a league because just too frustrating. The, The upside is absolutely there, don't get me wrong. And in a deep league, maybe you hold him depending who's on the wire. Uh, but yeah, it's too too infuriating to hold right now.
1: Yeah, if anyone's holding Scow and Marquise Chris, you are a patient man or woman. That's incredible. Like I couldn't. Yeah. It. You'd have to cut one, and I think I would cut Scow first. So yeah, I, I, would,
0: I would. I would. I would do the same. Now, are you still holding? I know we saw some yeah. signs of life from Josh Richardson. Yeah. Are you still are you still holding on to him?
1: I'm not. I'm not worried about Josh Richardson. Like I talked about, this is a very hot topic, and I've been saying that he's playing well. Uh, he's playing. He is vital to that team, and uh, he's going to get minutes. And we saw him finally play well with what 15 points, a few threes uh, against the Cavs, which asterisk there. But yeah, uh, I'm not like I'm not worried about J- Richardson. I, I just think he's going to snap out of it soon
0: yeah I, I wish that I had blurbed his game on Tuesday because i I think I blurbed him three or four straight games prior to that, and I was just running out of novel ways to say Stay patient yeah. um you know defensively he's getting it done, the minutes are there, you know hopefully he comes around offensively that's that's really all you're hoping for because yeah, we, we've seen him do it. I mean, we keep pointing to his close to last season, but obviously Waiters was out then. It was a different situation. Yep. But the, up, the upside's there. So if you can, just hold on, and hopefully Tuesday, you know, bought him another week in most leagues. Yep.
1: Um, just quickly on Embiid. Yeah, he like, he's just so crazy. He Actually, one thing that's weird, he's been terrible in spot-ups. Um, he's 11th percentile. And I've known, he's missed a lot of shots lately. I feel like that just keeps coming down and down and down and down. I don't have the stats on that. But he's missed all – teams are letting him shoot it, and he used to make them, and now he's kind of not.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think teams would want him to take, you know, jump shots and spot-up shots anyway. So if he's missing them, absolutely. Defenses are going to just back off. You know, they don't want him anywhere near the paint. So um, I I think we'll see that becoming a trend in terms of defenses trying to make him a guy – who's not getting 40, whatever it was, 42% of his plays in, in the post.
1: Yeah, he's uh, breaking it down even further. Like, he's, just to run it down, so he's 71st percentile, it's point per possession, so we're talking about efficiency on plays. Uh, 39% is a roll man, which is kind of surprising, percentile. I thought that he should be above 50, right? Uh, isolation, he's only 28th percentile. Uh, cuts, he's awesome, obviously, uh, 97th percentile. And rebounds, awesome again, ninety-three percentile.
0: Yeah, see, one thing to your point, the, the roll man data that Synergy captures includes pick and pops, um, so it's not all just him attacking the rim, so maybe maybe that's part of the reason he's he's lower than we might have thought.
1: Yeah, uh, I want to see, maybe chart that, where, he's, where the shots are coming from, but yeah, that's got to be part of it, man, um, and the, the turnovers are, are pretty high, too, um, percentage of his turnovers are 19.4% as a roll man, um, mm. so it's got to be pretty high compared to others. So what's left? What else we got?
0: Uh, Well, there's all sorts of – I mean, again, obviously, always check out the column because there's too much stuff to to cover it all. But uh, I've got a chart showing league-wide the percentage of total plays. So, like, you know, we talked about handoffs and post-ups. Post-ups are only 6% of the league's total offense. Um, Handoffs are only 4.5%. Despite the fact that Avery Bradley gets a third of his uh, touches in that, uh, whereas spot ups are twenty percent, so that's a huge play type. So, if you're looking at things from a from a broader, more meta point of view, you want to focus on spot ups and um, you know ball handlers and transition plays. Uh, it also shows the average points per possession across the entire league. So, pick and roll ball handlers, although they're the a very frequent play that you'll see. It's actually hasn't been efficient at all. It's the lowest points per possession of any of these plays at 0.81 uh, points per possession. So just interesting stuff. And I think you see a lot of the the most effective teams, you know, lean heavily into the 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 plays that yield the most points per possession. It's just another cut of data that can. Um, make them better
1: and then another cool stat I think that Synergy has that NBA.com doesn't have is pick and roll plus passing um, so that'll factor into which will eventually probably lead to a spot up so it's kind of like a combination stat which is pretty cool um, and Chris Paul is just stupid good I think among players with 40 40 or 50 possessions he's like 0. .7 0. .07 points per possession higher than anyone else like he's just killing people yeah oh, got Chris Paul is something else right now man
0: Yeah. So yeah. So every one of these play types, I break down by every team. You know how much they see of it defensively, how well they do against it defensively, and then I'm going to mention players who who rely heavily on that play type. So you can kind of pick and choose your matchups. And uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of something for everyone in in here.
1: Uh, uh, And just to follow up on that, so Chris Paul's 1.22. And this is this is kind of a name among names for the top five, except for one. Uh, Curry is second, Kyle Lowry's third, Jameer Nelson is fourth. That's kind of the outlier, and then Giannis, baby, fifth. Nice. And James Johnson's up there too. So and Bradley Beal's up there as well. So at, uh, let's see how many qualify. One thirty-four qualify. So pretty decent sample. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I love it, man. I love getting into play types and like the Knicks are bad at pick and roll. I love the, examining that versus a team like the. Hornets or whoever that run pick and roll a lot. Nets we mentioned, Suns we mentioned that they would be something to benefit to kind of mix who does what against what. You know, I, I, I always am fascinated by that, and that's a big part. Yeah, of
0: and y- you, I mean, you just brought up pick and roll, and to my surprise, the Thunder have been devastatingly difficult for pick and roll ball handlers. They're they're both preventing teams from getting off those plays. And limiting teams to 0.68 points per possession, by far the lowest in the league. So, again, you know, if you see guys like Kemba Walker, Reggie Jackson, you know, uh, Dennis Schroeder, guys who rely heavily on that play to fade fade them against the Thunder, because it's, you know, based on all the data through a quarter of the season, it's not going to go well.
1: Their defense has been really good pretty much throughout the season, especially their starters. I think their starters are like 94 defensive rating, which is really good. Um, and yeah, let me see some other stuff.
0: Um, Well, we were, while you're looking that up, we were just talking about, uh, Paul George and the hustle stats, which you could also see on, on NBA.com. Uh, he's number one in loose balls recovered. He's I think number one in deflections. He's just, he's been a, a manic defensively.
1: Yeah. They are top 10 in all, but two play types. One is transition. They're 28th in transition defense. That's per possession. Um, and then cuts are twenty third. But other than that, um, like you said, number one P&R, number four in spot up defense, number two in isolation, uh, eighth in post ups, ninth in offensive rebounding credit. Steven Adams third off screen, second and pick and roll man scoring, uh, yeah. fourth in hand. I mean, this team's just every aspect except for transition and cutting. Yeah, and
0: it's it's adding up to overall second best defensive efficiency in the league. So yeah.
1: Uh, but they're off. Their offenses—they've got some work. They've got three players in the top 13 for isolation possessions. The the obvious three. And Paul George has been really bad in that play. So they got they got to make Paul George more of a, a shooter, man. That, that's the the easy easy call when you read these stats.
0: Yeah, they're still figuring it out. I mean, 20 games in, you got all these guys used to playing a certain way. They're gonna it, it's gonna click eventually. I mean, obviously it already has defensively. And Melo's been surprisingly good. I think he's to to his credit. I've never touted him too much in f- for fantasy purposes, but um, I think he's really settling in nicely to his role as just a kind of you know uh, catch-and-shoot guy.
1: Yeah, he had one of the good quotes of the weekend, uh, and that was, someone asked, uh, how do you feel about your team struggling? He's like, have you seen the last two years? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was a good one. Um, there's a bunch a bunch of good quotes. Touché, yeah, like Yeah, we saw that. It, it's it's the, the, the it's a lot of quotes man um like steve Kirsten, we're not stepping on people's throats anymore um yeah i, I do quote the quote machine is just every night man whether it be social media or disguise guys before and after games, it's pretty cool uh all right so i think we're good anything else you want to add
0: no just uh yeah like i said there's a lot more here than we could ever talk about on the pod so for
1: sure man yeah, can, it's quite a rabbit hole All right, so you guys take care and enjoy the rest of your week.
0: And thanks for coming on, Ryan. Thanks, Mike. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.